Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks. My name is Mike Hensley and I am your host. And today we are talking about controlled hunts or controlled deer hunts is what we're going to be talking about. So we have Cheryl Kilmer, one of our other naturalists with us Hello. today. And we have again, again, <laughs> our natural resource manager, Tara Kaufman with Hello. us. And she manages our controlled deer hunt and things that we do here at the parks. Yep. So, um, for for people who are listening, Tara, what in what is a controlled hunt? Because it doesn't have to just be deer. That just so happens to be what we do here at the park. Yeah, I think you know a controlled hunt is going to be something that's more regulated versus like an open season hunting. So we're controlling how many people are hunting, how many maybe how many animals are harvested. So it's just more regulated. Okay, cool. Um, so when we do that. So we do deer here at the park, and um, how harmful can deer be if they're unmanaged? Yeah, so, I mean, with an overabundant population of deer, you can have a multitude of issues. So if you think of more uh, car collisions with deer on the landscape, running out in front of the cars can be an issue. The spread of disease is another one. Um, more animals herding together, um, spreading disease back and forth. Um, and also another big one is habitat destruction. So you'll hear me say like deer browsing. So basically eating the vegetation on the landscape, which, you know, it's taken away habitat for other nesting animals. Um, and it's also, they tend to over browse and leave less um, palatable sp species left. So, you know, the, so other animals don't have like the nutrition that they would want on the landscape because of it. Um, you know, that happens with agricultural crops and deer browsing or in your landscape and your, you know, garden beds. So, you know, it can have a lot of issues in a lot of different ways. So I got to witness this, the the habitat destruction mm -hmm. um, at the last place that I worked. It was like, so what would happen is there was this giant field right above the nature center that was like wide open and people would pull up in their cars basically and just like bust open like 50 to 100 pound bags of corn and yep. just like whoosh throw them everywhere mm -hmm. and then people could like come up and pet the deer oh my goodness <laughs> so the nature center operated Cringe. within I the know. park and we were constantly complaining like this is not good for the habitat and then so previous naturalists before me had like tagged it and watched we lost our complete box turtle population like yeah. fully like a hundred percent there were no box turtles in the park whatsoever like hadn't been found like in like six years and wow. probably up till now yeah it's like I mean, because those feed piles, they spread disease very easily. Oh, yeah, because they're all deer. congregating in that one area. Licking all over the ground. Yeah, and, and the, it's not just deer. You're bringing in other small mammals and yeah. other things that are all coming to that central location. So that was just one of the things. And, like, I just remember, like, walking up into this field and, like, four to 600 deer at a time would be in this, like, a basically lot. a football field. That is a lot. It's maybe a little bit longer than 120 yards in between these rows of pines right. and they would just sit there all day and feed after people would like throw them corn. So what I, <laughs> shame moment, I used to take <laughs> our Toro, like a gator, uh -huh. and I would go up into the field in the evenings and just like rip through there as fast as I could laying <laughs> on the horn. And like, I, we, we used to, <laughs> me and one of my buddies I worked with, we called it putting the fear in the deer. Yeah. We would get on the gator right. and sing the whole time, fear in the deer. <laughs> 
That's awesome. If he ever heard this, he would like have a flashback, but that's what we did. He was like, why are you doing this? Like, why not? I was you like, you have to condition them to be scared of the gator. They, gator. I, they eventually did. I did that for like two years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> two my- I mean, that's the thing with feeding animals though. Like you, they get familiar, they're comfortable. Yeah. They're like, Oh, well, I don't care if people are around me, they're bringing this food. So then they, they, the, the fear of humans is gone, you know, which isn't maybe as big of a deal with deer. But if you think of coyotes, you know, people are more scared of coyotes. So, you know, the same type of thing. You're bringing food in. They're getting closer and more comfortable. And yeah, we had many problems. We, we partnered up with the local universities. There were like three colleges right there. We partnered up with like all of their ecology departments, their biology departments. Like we can do a call. Like basically all we would have had to do is like back a trailer up and throw some corn in it they would all climb yeah, in essentially right. and it i mean it would benefit the like the understory was so bad in some of the areas of the parks we were able to fence them off from a few areas mm-hmm. that were where the nature center was and then there was like a zoo inside there too so we were able to fence them off from there but other places the understory was so bad that invasives like privet and things like that grew up so fast wow so yeah that was it was crazy to see like the privet was so bad oh, in there wow. like right because they're eating all that understory they're eating the good stuff and then it's just like this open area that invasives start and, to grow yep. up and it just kind of uh-huh. changes the landscape and yeah it just kind of changes the whole dynamic yeah so i felt like i was doing my part with the gator the Putting best the i could fear in the deer that's the fear in the deer. <laughs> <laughs> um so how do you figure out, okay, we need to manage the deer population? How do we know that too many deer are in a certain area of our parks? We, well, we look at a couple of things. So the first thing we do, or one of the things that we do is a deer count. Um, we do that every year, and that just kind of gives us an, an estimated population number um, to, to kind of know how many deer is out there. Is there going to be an issue? You know, there's a, there's a calculation that we use, and, you know, typically it's like 20 deer per square mile. Edison Woods is two square miles. So we have kind of a rough number um, to kind of gauge that. And so during our deer counts, um, we do either a ground count. So we're counting the deer um, through a infrared thermal heat imagery. Um, and we've also done aerial counts um, where we've hired that out and they've flown over the property to kind of get the deer numbers. So we can kind of estimate the numbers by comparing those two together. And then aside from that, um, we also are just documenting like we talked about the browsing, seeing if there's areas of issues, if there's a lot of browse damage, if we're losing species. Um, and so we kind of like use those two methods to kind of base if uh, a hunt is necessary in any given year. Hmm. So question about when you do the thermal imaging. Yep. So do you just go to like their, where they bed down in the evenings and stuff and like basically just like roll around on the gator or walk and just like. So our approach is, so it happens at night or in the evening and we basically drive all the roads or trails that are accessible. Granted, we can't get to every single trail inside Edison Woods because it's a wet woods. So we'll take, we'll be in the work truck. We'll drive all the perimeter roads around Edison Woods. One person's driving, one person's um, using the infrared flare unit out the window. And so you're just basically looking through the camera and scanning the woods as you drive by very slowly and marking every time you count a deer. Um, So then we'll go interior and hit all the trails that we can get to as well. Uh, so there's some areas that you don't get to, obviously Edison Woods is super dense, a lot of trees. So your, your view is only so far. Um, so then you kind of put it into a calculation. Like, I think I counted this percentage of Edison Woods 
And then you account for, okay, well, in the springtime, there's going to be births and this, this and that. So you kind of put it through a calculation to kind of give you a rough number then of, of what your population is. So it's, it's estimated, yeah. as I, I said, mean, you, you know. With anything like that, I don't think you could have an exact number. No, and it, it depends on the night, too, you know, like weather conditions, if the deer are out more, if they're out op- out in the meadows and in the fields and it's more open, I can count them and see them better uh-huh. versus if they're in the interior woods bedded down sleeping, then you're not going to get as, you know, as high of a number. And then um, Edison Woods specifically is surrounded by orchards, so they go in and out of Edison Woods a lot. Um, so often we'll see a lot of deer congregating in the orchard areas um, just on the perimeter, which we count those two because we know they move in and out. And, you know, they're probably actually living in Edison yeah. Woods and just, you know, eating and grazing outside of it. So, yeah, it's it's a little finicky, but that's kind of way we, we pull in the aerial counts every few years to kind of kind of see what their take is it from the, from the air, um, which they still have the same issues. You still have to decipher because like a rock will glow warm with a heat signature so if you're from the air, you know, that's going to be hard for you to tell. Is that a deer or a rock? Because Edison Wood has some bigger boulders and they're surrounded in certain areas. And so on the ground, it's a little bit easier. I can decipher, oh, okay, that's a deer's body. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's error a little bit with each. Well, I didn't know that. So hmm, water, water often illuminates, um, will glow a little bit too. So you kind of have to, some trees will. So you just kind of have to. Know you got to learn, basically have to learn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just have to get used to it and learn. Hmm. Well, I wonder, is it easier when you're looking at birds and things like that then through one of those? I've never looked through one. Typically, um, yeah, I mean, I can see, like, I've seen owls in them, and you can see them, like, silhouette. You can see mice running up and down the tree. Um, you know, so it's, you know, like raccoons. So, like, other animals are pretty easy to spot, like, if, if they're close enough. But if they're far enough away, anything that's far enough away you're like oh that's something but i'm not quite sure what the what it is you know okay. like you can't like make out the shape if but if it's close enough you can so have you ever gotten anything like creepy weird that you've questioned like sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> or something like that <laughs> no but i but i got out of the truck once and filmed myself as sasquatch <laughs> like did a picture you know to like like me in the woods like that and so just oh, for so fun good. i want to yeah, see that like Ooh, what about this Three is a good in, one. What about tired. people in Edison Woods at night? Have you ever seen that? Has that ever happened? I have not. Yeah. We typically do it like they shouldn't be in there at that they point. They shouldn't. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah, no, I have never ran into people out there. Um mostly just just animals and like I said, I've seen a few owls which have been cool, and, cool. and mice running up in trees and scurrying through the leaf litter and well, the, the deer are really cool when they're close because you can just see their whole body glowing the outline, the outline yeah. of them you know so. if you ever see a person with a shovel it's not me <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. <sighs> so all right um so overall what what is a controlled hunt how is that beneficial for the ecosystem how is it helping um you know other plants and animals and things like that yeah i think it's just like it's all about balance right so it's just an a tool to keep populations in balance so it's really for themselves too, you know, like, so the, the population remains healthy and continues on for other generations. You know, you hear of species going extinct, not that deer is going to go extinct, but you know, you know, wildlife populations have issues and it's just, it's just another way to keep, keep the ecosystem in balance when there's need, you know, there's not always a need, um, but it's just, you know, sometimes there is in certain areas. And Uh have we done, have we done them since like pretty much the whole time you've been here? 
or did you institute them? I did institute them. Okay. Um, so we've had nine controlled deer hunts and I've been here 10 years. So my first year is kind of just like getting set up, getting for set it, yeah. up and yeah. kind of like getting the information and figuring out how to go about it. Cause even though we call it a controlled hunt, it's not like a division of wildlife controlled hunt. So it's not something that like they put on it's Erie Metro parks. It's ourselves. We do it. Um, we just call it a controlled hunt cause it's managed and regulated. Um, but it still goes by the division of wildlife's, um, rules and regulations, the state's regulations, you know, we're not setting our own special regulations. So you have to abide by the state's uh-huh. hunting license cool. and all that kind of stuff. So that's cool though. I didn't, was it, was, was the population when you started like too high? I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of deer and our hunts aren't large enough and we don't harvest enough deer to make a huge impact to the population. Um, but it does help year after year and it's kind of a multitude of things. You know, it's providing an opportunity for hunters to get out there. Yeah. We're, we're helping the, you know, the reduce the deer population a little bit cause it needs it. Um, but we're not making huge impacts, you know, like it's, it's a small hunt, you know, we're, we're a small agency. So yeah. it's kind of beneficial in multiple ways. I'm curious. This would be a, this would definitely be a Brad question. Who's another um, member of our natural resource department. If he's seen since they started like the introduction of new plants and things like right. that, since we started the deer hunt, that would, yeah, man, why didn't I reach out and ask Brad that question? Cause that didn't, formulate in my brain until this until moment now. so because <laughs> right. you wouldn't have known all the plants before you started right. 10 years ago i so. mean i know like we th- when i first i know there's used to be lots and lots of trillium out there documented all over I mean, we have pictures and then it's kind of decreased well it's decreased a lot over the years and it's nothing like it used to be now i can't say that's all contributed to deer but deer has definitely played a role in that mm-hmm. um you know so um, but i'm sure there's a lot of other examples you know yeah. too that you know, yeah, could touch on just too. complete introduction of a like a new plant that we didn't know was there because they keep yeah, shearing it off it. before you get to see it. So. Right, and some of the meadows out there, you know, we do prescribe burns as we talked about in one of the other podcasts um, to keep these meadow habitats open. But in some of the fields, we start we want some regeneration to start happening, so we want the trees to start growing back sparingly throughout the meadows. Um, so saplings will start to grow along the edge of the meadow and the wood line. Um, but the deer get to them, so they're not able to kind of yeah. continue on and grow. Um, so that's, you know, something that we document, especially when that's some of our management goals is to allow that regeneration to happen. And then it's kind of competing with the deer. So there's other methods too, you know, protect the trees and tree tubes and other things that we've done to to kind of help that out. Cool. Yeah. Well, see, because I, I underestimated h- how much deer graze. Like right. it's pretty much all day all long the with the exception when they're laying down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm th- if I was a deer, I'd just like lean over and be like, snack. <laughs> <laughs> like, why even stand? <laughs> why, why are we standing here? We're, we're making ourselves vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like they are constantly eating all the time. Um, they even come through my backyard and like eat the seed under the feeders and stuff. Sometimes I'm oh, like, yeah. what are you doing? So, yeah. Um, so how much, now I've heard some of the preparation that, that you do for um, the controlled hunts. Um, h- how much preparation actually goes into the whole process? Kind of a lot, but it also has become streamlined over the years. Like yeah. I said, we've done nine hunts, so a lot of the basis is already there. But then every year, um, well, it starts off with the deer counts. And like I said, the documentation, that kind of gives us the baseline of, okay, yeah, we need to have a hunt again this year. So we'll move forward with that. 
And then we have to wait for the Division of Wildlife to put out their um, hunting seasons and dates because we go by that. So ours is an adult-only gun hunt. So we need to know when the gun hunt dates are going to be for, you know, that given year. So once the once that information gets released, then we can start updating our marketing materials and the rules and regulations, and then we'll start market for, marketing for it. So, you know, the application period to apply, mm-hmm. and then, but then people will know when the hunt's going to be and stuff. Um so then once that's happened, we start to enter the applications in. They'll start rolling in. It's usually a month and a half or so or two that the application period's open. So those come in. We'll get them all entered into the database. Um, so we have those in for when we do the drawing. And then and then we mark boundaries. So go out there and mark all the zones. We call them hunt zones. So the hunters are going to be assigned a specific area to hunt that day if they get picked. Um, So we bark all those boundaries with pink spray paint or flagging so they know where to go. So every year. That's what, that's the part that I was like. That's the very time consuming part. Because like I would, it would be like two weeks later until I was like still marking zones. (laughs) Well, because they have to be marked properly. So if you think you got hunters in there and you got zones that meet up with each other, you know, they need to be aware of their boundaries. Now, granted, not every tree needs to be remarked every year, but you also have to check it. Yeah. And by checking it is walking it because you can't you can drive to a certain spot but then you're like kind of interior in the woods and you kind yeah. of need to walk it so it's a slow process um and then once we once the application period is over we'll draw names um i'll start to get the hunt packets together so each hunter will get a packet of information showing where they're going to be hunting what they need to do the morning of the rules and regs maps all that fun stuff and i'll get that mailed out to them and then and then it's basically leading into the hunt. We have to close down Edison Woods a couple of weeks prior. So it's a matter of putting up signs and banners and notifying everybody. And then it's just prep for that actual week of the hunt, um, getting everything we need out there and the staff up to date and stuff. When you draw names, that's one of my favorite times. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, we get to participate in drawing the yeah. names. It's not just like yeah, Tara I don't and draw the names. names. The people, people every year yeah. is like, Tara, pick my name this year. I'm like, I can't and I won't. <laughs> I don't draw the names. I walk around and have everyone else draw the names. So there's no question about yeah, it. This, yeah. Tara picked her friend. Yeah. Better, so, I mean, yeah. it's funny because you get names of people every year that get selected. And it's like, how is that possible? Well, one, they often apply a lot of times yeah. and second yeah. off it's just the luck of the draw and it's not me drawing right. <laughs> everybody knows now on record tara does not draw the names we do exactly so blame us cheryl did it <laughs> yeah tara comes back with a burlap bag like a old like an old school it. burlap sack yeah, type deal it's like it's like her, yeah. that's the deer draw bag that's what it is yep, with yep. everyone's names in it and they just reach their hand in blindly and pull out a name yep. <laughs> we get excited reading if you're listening, your names or people's names because they're like, oh, look at this cool name. I so, know. Yeah. And the tribe are like, oh, they, they've hunted before. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's most often. I know them. I know them. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that guy got a deer last year. Yeah. Yep. Tara remembers all of you. <laughs> Creepy. <I'll> try. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so you had already covered uh, when the controlled hunt was held, and that's based off of what ODNR kind of says. Right, which is usually end of end of November beginning of December is usually when that deer gun week is. So yeah. typically given, given give or take a little bit, that's when the hunt usually happens. After Thanksgiving, close to yep. Thanksgiving, somewhere yep. around there. So yeah. In West Virginia, it was always the week of Thanksgiving. Oh, oh, I loved it. That's true. I loved yeah. it. Didn't, didn't go to school the whole week. Right. You're on break. <laughs> <laughs> like even if we had school before, like the Monday, Tuesday or whatever, and then you're off when we didn't go to school. And it was an excuse to not have to like, 
co-mingle with my family. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, going hunting, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just go sit in the woods, be left alone, make all the noise I want, even if I don't want to see it uh-huh. here. <laughs> That's your outlet. So. Right. Yeah, so um, what about, how, like, how can people apply or get involved? So typically the application period starts the beginning of August. So that's when you should start looking on our website, our Facebook page, social media, um, to get details of, you know, when the hunt's going to be, what the rules are going to be for that year. Um, And then they'll have that time period up until um, usually sometime in October to apply. And then the application period stops. Um, So in order to apply, it's in the past, it's been like a $5 application fee but you can apply as many times as you want. So you can apply just once or you can apply multiple times. It's just going to be five time, $5 per application. And then we're going to ask for information like your name, your address, your phone number, your birth date, because it is an adult only hunt. So we just need to verify um, that, that you're not under 18 and you can send that information into us. We usually have like a generic application page on our website but it can just be written on a piece of paper or on a note card. It doesn't have to be anything specific as long as you have that information on it and you mail it to my attention. Um, and then we'll do the drawing in October and let everyone know who whoever got selected. And then once you're selected, um, you'll get your hunt packet. And then on the day of the hunt is when you'll have to check. We'll check your hunting license and your permit and stuff. So you'll still have to make sure you have all those proper permits that the Division of Wildlife requires, and we will check that, um, but it'll, we'll check it in person. Cool. Just so everybody knows, we cannot, we as a staff cannot apply for this hunt, and that broke my heart. Right. I was, <laughs> I remember right. my orientation, Tara had explained that we do a controlled deer hunt. My first question was, oh my goodness, can we apply? She's like, no, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> right. That's how I felt instantly. That's how I felt. So, but there are plenty of opportunities around the state to yeah. go. So, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wildlife areas and different opportunities. Cool. So, this one is county specific, correct? It is uh, Ohio specific. Ohio specific. So you don't yes. need to. Yeah, you don't need to be a resident of Erie County per se, but um, you do need to be a resident of Ohio yeah. in order to Ohio apply. license. Et Ohio license. Yep. Would it be an exception if you had an Ohio? hunting license but lived out of state or still have to be i've have i've had hunters who've kind of have residences in both right like so they're like kind of living out of state but they can provide me ohio hunting license and they can provide me with a ohio address to sell their to mail their stuff so i can't i mean can't argue that so there's been some circumstances where you can um and you know we've had some people apply from out of state that just didn't realize um you know that they technically couldn't and stuff so yeah we definitely try to focus on ohio cool ohio yeah. people. well that's good because we're focusing on uh-huh. our people. Deer management yeah. yep yeah um so deer aren't the only thing that can be managed i kind of mentioned that earlier have you ever been a part of any other types of animal management um i like, mean i have in regards to like trapping like rabies nuisance type things like human wildlife conflict type stuff mm-hmm. um so a little bit with that, because, you know, with any, really with any species, anything can get out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe yeah. Managed, Native, you know, yeah. It doesn't always have to be a controlled hunt to be your management technique, but you may have to be doing some removal or vaccinations. Like I said, I was part of a rabies project with raccoons. Um, so it, it just kind of depends, you know, and the Division of Wildlife sets all sorts of um, bag limits. So how many 
how many animals you can harvest and what seasons you can do it in for all sorts of animals, you know, to kind of keep different yeah. populations in check. Well, the only one that is open to my knowledge all year is coyote, correct? Right. Everything else is, is, is seasoned. In a window. Yeah, yeah, in a window. Even American crows, which breaks my heart. Yeah. But, yeah, so. But, yeah, so coyotes are the only one that are open all the time. But I love watching them. They're so They are. They're so cool. cool. They are. I love so. them. Um, all right. So, um, for, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. How many deer do we take average per year? Would you say doesn't have to be an exact number in the parks? It's usually uh, just under 30 deer we end up taking. Um, like I said, we have a small number of hunters compared to like other controlled hunts, um, possibly, but we have, we have usually have, um, 30 hunters, in the woods that any given hunt like hunt year during that week uh -huh. or whatever so so yeah we usually get around 30 30 a little under 30 deer um and it's a half day hunt too so it's it's not like they're out there all day it's you know from yeah. sunrise to, to noon so it's you know it's yeah. a half day hunt and hmm. uh yeah what's the biggest buck you've seen pulled out of edison woods nothing bigger than a 10 point but i've seen some huge bodied deer i mean i'm seeing does i mean we encourage them focus we encourage the hunters to focus on does um to help manage the population and we've seen i've seen some huge does it's wow. been unreal but yeah as far as bucks go um probably a 10 point but there's some there's some big deer out there that yeah. those hunters drool over <laughs> <laughs> and he still lives on because every year one of myself or uh, one of some of the local guys that walk in the park you know still see him you know yeah. like, yeah. like but, i'm still here but the hunters come out talking about him you know so they've seen him out there <laughs> there's a few monsters around the county so it's not yeah you know? yeah all right all right so i we're gonna do our um oh my goodness News. I have to hit the button to remember what it's called. The news article. Um, so I always mention that I grew up in West Virginia, really close to Pennsylvania and Maryland. And I remembered this article from when I was a kid, um, probably like the end of my high school career. Um, career. <laughs> like a career. My end of my high school time was no career. Um, so there was like, they, they were doing this survey on the deer population it was extremely high and um, it was in need more PA. And they had in a three month period, over 4,000 serious injuries due to the deer population. Oh, so wow. like cars, deer running into people on four wheelers and stuff like that. Wow. There was like a big four wheeler park and they would like run and like knock people off their four wheelers. So it wasn't, it was public land, but nobody really went in there because there were like four wheelers and things all the time running on the outsides of it. Right. So they went in and basically, like I told you at that other park, they had um, basically cleared out the understory and then they had, but it was like, it maybe is like a quarter of the size the woodlot was of like Edison Woods. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they had bow hunters go in basically and just like cleaned up basically got paid the guys got paid they paid them right wow. to go in and just wipe out as many deer as they could that were over a certain age mm -hmm. so wow. uh, and which i was blown away and i still remember like the pictures on the newspaper i found like just the article with no pictures but like it when i remember the pictures from when i was a kid like 
just deer everywhere yeah wow. like everywhere they had to like shut down the local roads and stuff like that because the deer were running all out but it was so small they couldn't gun hunt in it right and there's so. a lot of areas in ohio that have that same issue where where the the deer population is just there's so many and it's not really even about like counting the deer it's about how many issues they're having they're yeah. having so many collision accidents you know or yeah. or deer just out all the time and eating vegetation and so they kind of use that as the basis to decide, you know, like if, if they need to go in there and calling. So basically uh-huh. sharpshooting deer, yeah. having bow hunters or sharpshooters come in and, and target a certain number of deer is, is another effective way, um, you know, to go about it in, in areas that maybe, you know, hunts, little small hunts are not feasible or not going to be really do justice to what needs to happen. Yeah. Do you know there's a auto collision place? There's a billboard in Sandusky that says hit a deer, get a turkey. Yep. <laughs> I've seen do it. you I really i want to know if you get a turkey you really do no yeah, you really like do. how big i mean like like, like a like 15 a, 20 pounder like a frozen turkey yeah <laughs> they just they just have a freezer of turkeys <laughs> all the time I mean, i've never done it but i i think it's legit i'll go out and kick my fender <laughs> right now <laughs> no remember when I, I hit that one out on cleveland road yeah, not too long ago that's i smacked true. that deer and i had to put her down so yeah, I didn't know that. Hmm. I'm gonna call him. Like, do you guys really give out turkeys? Yeah, like, I don't know I the details. Know. You probably have to prove it or something. But because I didn't <laughs> I even see that. Where's that billboard? <sighs> I forget where it's at. Where, but that, it's it's near that um the the nut factory. The there's a nut factory. I'm serious. I'm not lying, <laughs> guys. Sure. Industrial Nut Corp. It's Industrial Nut Corp. I swear. It's in Sandusky. I'm not lying. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> you guys don't Maybe believe. Laugh. I got Cheryl on the giggles now. But when the, we went past the sign the first time, my wife's like, oh, they're giving out free turkeys if you hit a deer. And I was like, you're playing with me. Yeah. So I turned around and she wasn't lying. Oh, that's so, so funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's real. I guess I haven't heard of anybody actually doing that's it. That's false advertising. But yeah, they're not going to put a billboard up if they're not going to give you a darn turkey. Right. Maybe it's old. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So. Call them. <laughs> I need to know. So. Because I have an old injury to my car that needs fixed. Right. <laughs> and we need dinner this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving gets very busy for them. Yeah. So you probably have to get your car fixed there. That's probably, probably. part of it. Yeah. So yeah, like, probably. it's probably in the small print or the <laughs> 25 font on the bottom of the oh, billboard. Yeah. So, all right. So that's all we have for this episode. So we hope everybody had a good time, good listening, and maybe you can get involved with the deer hunt if you want. And thank you to our natural resource manager, Tara Kaufman. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Woo! Bye, Cheryl. Bye.